0: while creating a positive work environment. Drawing from her 10 plus years of leadership and hiring experience, here is your host, Jamie Van Kuyk.
1: Hello, Jamie Van Kuyk here, and welcome to the Growing Your Team podcast. In today's episode, I am chatting with Michaela Quinn, who has grown a business all about helping connect businesses and freelancers, so you can get the right help onto your team. Michaela is sharing with us her journey to starting this business, and also some useful tips that will help you make sure you are starting off right to get the right person on your team, you're budgeting correctly for the positions, and creating an environment that is beneficial for both you and the freelancer or contractor that you hire. So let's jump right into the interview. Hello, Michaela. I'm so happy that you're here today. Thanks for joining
2: us. Oh my gosh, Jamie, I am so happy to be here and thank you for inviting me on.
1: So let's get started by you giving us just a brief overview about who you are, your backgrounds and the business that you run today.
2: Absolutely. So my background and, you know, before starting to run my own business, the only job experience, career experience I really ever had was teaching, babysitting, nannying, working in children's daycares, working at the Boys and Girls Club, and a brief stint as a waitress for two weeks when I was in college um, to pay for spring break one year. After college, I graduated with my secondary education degree with a um, certificate in English. And so I got started teaching high school sophomore English. I got to teach um um, not American lit. That's what I wanted to teach. They didn't give me that. I got world lit, which is like like the low end of the totem pole. It's like worse than freshman English. Um, I I love it. I grew to love it, but it's like the oldest of the old stuff. I was teaching Oedipus, Beowulf, The Odyssey, and the Iliad, and just. Ancient literature. Um, But I loved teaching. I really did. Like, that is what I wanted to do when I grew up. My mom was a teacher, and I just grew up in my free time playing school in my makeshift classroom in our basement with my American Girl dolls as my students. And I used all of my mom's old school supplies. So that, like, I knew my whole entire life that's what I wanted to do. And went to school, got, um, you know, the job at a high school I wanted to work at and it was actually that high school that my mom was still teaching at and it it was great until I had my daughter and when my daughter was born I just kind of started to rethink all of the things that like I knew about teaching that they warned you about and your um like professional classes in college reminding us the pay is going to be not the best. Um, I hope you like budgeting and that teachers like are really overworked and back to that, uh, like the amount of money you make really underpaid. And I just kept ignoring that. Like, who cares about those things? I don't, I don't need a lot. Um, I didn't realize how expensive children were or what daycare expenses were going to look like, And I also didn't know the immense amount of desire that I would have when I held my daughter for the first time to be with her all the time. And anytime I started to think about daycare and going back to work, it was just a really big like spot of tension for me. Um, and, And my husband, honestly, too, because I tried bringing up like, hey, what if what if I just stayed home and I didn't go back to teaching? And he was like, Hey, remember that conversation we had when we were house hunting and you convinced me to buy the house at the top of our budget instead of a more modest, you know, starter home. I was like, Oh, but I didn't like, I didn't know. So I went back to work this was, this would be my third year teaching. So we kind of got engaged, got married, bought a house, got pregnant right away. Our daughter was born nine months and two days after our wedding. So it was just like a lot crammed into not a lot of time. And we were still young, still early in our careers. There was just, there really was no way that we could do, become a one income household. And that just caused so much tension for me. And Going back to work, going back to teaching, I started to resent everything like the low pay, all the extra work, um, just all the meetings. And I just really started to resent my job and then like resent myself because I'm like, why the heck do I not like this anymore? This is everything you always wanted to do. What is wrong with you? So, after about like a six month pity party, I finally just decided, okay, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to find a way to make an income from home. And I just started searching and that could be a really long story. But finally, after a long, long time searching, I got started as a freelancer. I got started as a virtual assistant and grew my freelance virtual assistant business. Eventually um, got pregnant with baby number two and that was my fourth year teaching. So again, another like bam, bam. And that year I was building my business while pregnant, while still teaching. And then my son was born in April. And at that point I was working 15 to 20 hours a week on my freelance business in tripling my, my take-home pay. So I brought home about 3,500 as a freelancer working like, a fraction of the hours. Wow. So it was a no-brainer to walk away from teaching and shortly after I did that, I there just kept being all these other moms that were asking either in like mom Facebook groups or they would ask me, "Hey, how can I do what you did?" And so that's how I kind of started what I'm I'm doing now. I just started helping moms say, "Hey, this is what I did. This is how I got started." And the demand was so huge with so many moms just locally wanting me to help them and finally instead of helping everyone for free, you know, via Facebook Messenger, one at a time, I decided to start a Facebook group and just started helping in a like one-to-many capacity. And then that grew into my online course, which helps women um, leverage their current skills and experience into a freelance career from home.
1: Awesome. Yeah, no, it's always really great when you hear people's stories about what they wanted to do when they were a kid and then what they're doing now. And some people are like, oh, it's not related at all. But other people, it's like when you really dig into it, it's like, well, you're doing exactly what you were made to do, what you wanted to do as a, as a kid. But sometimes we think in those very traditional roles, if I'm going to be a teacher, I need to be a teacher in a formal classroom in a school and but you're still a teacher you're just doing it at a completely different level with completely different students but you're really bringing that whole wish and dream as a child you know through fruition of what it really meant for you to be a teacher and to be happy in that career
2: yeah yeah and the different students now kind of makes a bit of a difference cuz they're actually paying to be there they're excited to be there they're not forced from the department of education that you must take sophomore english so it's it's definitely It's very similar, but it's, it's just what I need with where I'm at in my life now.
1: Yeah. And I think that leads us great into the next thing I wanted to ask you about, which some people might be sitting here wondering, like, you know, why do I necessarily have you on this podcast when it's all about growing teams? But one of the things we really didn't get into too much with, you know, what you do for your current company is, yes, you're helping people grow their freelance companies or their businesses where they're running it from home. A lot of them being moms, they have kids alongside, but there's this other part of your business where you're kind of helping these people that go through your program find jobs and that's where kind of the what the people I work with come into play is you have a way to connect the people who need to hire a freelancer or a contractor with the people who have gone through your programs. Let's talk a little bit about that and your your hire form and what made you put create this hire form and how people are using it today.
2: Yeah so as I got started, um, you know, in the transition from client work to being an online course creator and an online educator, I saw, you know, with women coming into my program, they were, you know, landing, landing clients and they were having success. And I was sharing their success naturally like on my Facebook page and with some of my other business friends. And then my business friends would have like in real life friends. And then I have business friends. (laughs) I don't know if you have that too. Yeah. Um, but my like fake friends, no, I'm just kidding. They're not fake. They're very (laughs) real. I actually talk to them way more than my in real life friends, but my, the people that I had connected with in the online space, they started coming to me and saying, Hey, do you know of anyone who can do X, Y, Z? Hey, I'm looking for someone to run my social media. Do you have any recommendations? And kind of like how my, business originally started uh, the course creation side of like just naturally helping people for free eventually it grew so much where I was like I cannot continue to like be a matchmaking service for free it's eating up all of my time but I also don't want to charge for this I don't want to um, like that's that's a great service I know a lot of people I don't know if you do it hiring for your clients at all but like that is such a huge need but I did not want to take that on I just wanted to help kind of connect those that are looking to hire and then those that are looking for work that have gone through my program so we created just a simple type form and used like zapier to every time someone submits a job it gets zapped to our paid program students and then from there um, they can apply i also saw one of the big routes that people in the online space go when they're hiring like when they don't really know what to do or how to, how to go about it. They'll just post in a Facebook group, like, Hey, I'm looking to hire a social media manager. And if you're in one of the Facebook groups that has thousands and thousands of people, pretty soon your messenger, your like email, everywhere, anywhere someone can reach you is going to be bombarded with hundreds of people saying like, Hey, I want to work with you. Hey, tell me about your position. Hey, tell me about your business. And it's like a huge influx of people when they might not all necessarily be worth having a conversation or worth kind of like that energy talking to. So the way I have the higher forms sectioned out is, um, kind of asking like, you know, tell us about your business, share your business links so people can easily go do that research. But then also sharing more about like the product, the job description, what are you looking for? What are any qualities that are going to be important to this role or any like skills or experiences that are going to be crucial, um, for someone having success with joining your team or, you know, the project that you're looking to complete. And then as well as, you know, budget and are you okay with hiring a beginner or are you looking for someone more experienced? And that kind of helps narrow down the, oh, and then the last thing, sorry, is how do you want people to apply or get in contact with you? Because I think it is so needed to have a specific, like, if you are interested in this position or working with me, here's my process, Here's what you need to do to, you know, submit your letter of interest or submit your application. And it just kind of whittles down the amount of interest you get which can be a good thing because it's it's weeding out those that are just like, "Hey, I need money. Hey, right. hire me." And you're going to get those that, you know, read the description, follow the directions and are actually really going to be good fits for for you and your your company.
1: Yeah, no, I have used the hirer form before and it's definitely something that I refer to some of my clients after we figure out like, okay, this is what you need for your business, the type of people you need to hire. Sometimes when it's a freelancer or a contractor, I'm like, okay, you can go and do a Google search and you can go search social media manager or look on Facebook for social media manager and you can spend hours and hours and hours trying to find the right one. And I'm like, or you can go use a form like this where you put in your specifics and then you're having people contact you. Cause that's one thing that people a lot of times don't understand. They're like, well, I'm just going to go post on a job board, like indeed or something else. And I'm going to have people come to me and I'm like, it doesn't work that way when you're a freelancer. And I'll have to tell Mm -hmm. people all the time with their business. I was like, how many times do you go to a job board looking for clients? I'm like, Mm -hmm. you don't go to a job board looking for clients. People go to a job board when they want to be hired as an employee. So if you're going to hire an employee, post on a job board. I'm like, but otherwise, you have to sometimes take the effort to go and find people. And using a form like yours, the hire form, It takes a little bit of that effort out because you don't have to go and find all these people, find their websites and go find them. It's a source, it's a resource where you can go post what you need. And then once again, you're having people come to you just like you would post on a job board for an employee. And I would say when I used it, being someone who (laughs) helps people hire, know how to be very specific in everything I wanted. And it was like, I think I got two really good people that replied. Because what I was doing, and we'll get a little bit more into budget. What I was doing, I was like, hey, I'm just looking to test something out. I just want something for a few hours per month. Because it's just a few hours per month, this is what the budget is. So if you have a package that's 20 hours per month and like this, I was like, You're, you have more than I want. I'm like, I just want someone who's going to test this out for me, maybe five hours per month. Here's the budget. So a lot of people are like, no, I want bigger projects. So they pass on it. I didn't have to weed through like a Facebook post where I had hundred comments of, yes, hire me, hire me, hire me. It was like, no, it made it very clear. It made it very easy to find and hire the right person for what I needed mm-hmm. at that moment in time.
2: Yeah, and I I don't like wasting time. I don't wanna get on hundreds of calls or have hundreds of different conversations with people who essentially offered the same thing. And so we actually just hired... Um, another person. And this was the first time that I actually used my own hire form in the past. I've always just kind of, since I'm in there, I I know people really well. I know personalities. I know work ethic. I know what kind of work they're doing. I can just be like, Hey, you, uh, are you looking for another client? We're looking for X, Y, Z. Like, are you interested in talking? And but this is the first time we used the hire form. And we got a lot of, uh, I think we had 50 to 60 applications that came in and we narrowed it down. Um, I say we, but my director of operations narrowed it down and did two interviews with her top two choices. And that was just over a month ago. And she has been, its it, it's been such a great fit. Okay. She's came in and just knocked out all of these tech projects that we've been, been needing done.
1: One of the things I talk about a lot when you're going through your hiring process is some people will be like, I posted, I got a hundred resumes. Like, what do I do? All these people applied. What do I do? They're like, I don't have time to interview them all. And it's like, you don't have to interview them all. You should really be doing a very thorough check on, on resumes, Mm -hmm. know what you're looking for. So when I say a thorough check, I'm not saying take 30 minutes per application, per resume, go browse everything. You should be able to do it pretty quickly. And a lot of times I teach my clients how to do it pretty quickly, but you do a lot of that upfront work. So you're getting good people in for the interview. And then mm-hmm. like you said, in your situation, you brought two people in for an interview and then, but you had this other group of people that you're like, if for whatever reason, these two don't work out and we have to go deeper into our candidate pool, this is our next group of people. And that's sometimes what I tell people as well is like, don't bring in the maybes for an interview unless your yeses don't work out.
2: Yes, I, I love that. And that's that's kind of what we did. Um, we were very specific in like, if you're interested in this position, answer these questions in an email. And it was very interesting like how people responded. Most people just went like right into the email of like the first question we asked it is like, what is your requested hourly rate? And most people I would say like, 90% 90% just went straight to my hourly rate is this and then like just answered the questions but those that we were like ooh, like maybes and yeses took the time to kind of inter- introduce themselves or just like build a connection in a relationship be- before they were like hey my requesting salary is xyz so those people that followed our instructions but like introduced themselves a little bit before they just dove in we felt such a better connection to in those those were the people that were like, I love what they said in here. Let's, let's talk to them.
1: Yeah, that's great. So let's go talk a little bit about the use of this hire form. So what type of positions can people use the hiring form? What type of freelancers and contractors can they find? Like who do you have in your community there?
2: Yeah. I mean, I've been running my program now for over two and a half years. So I have people from all sorts of experience levels, like people that joined just today. So they're very green and their hourly rates are probably going to be on the less expensive side. And then I've got people that have been doing, you know, marketing and their day job for 10 plus years. And then they've been in the freelance side for like a year or, you know, people kind of in the middle of there. But there's all different types of positions from virtual assistant, social media manager, podcast producer, um, you know, media PR, SEO, web design, copywriting, content writing, any bookkeeping, like any service that you need to run or grow your business, that someone can do virtually. There are women in my program who who do that.
1: Awesome. So what if someone's out there listening, they're like, yes, I need help. I'm really intrigued about this form, but I don't really know exactly what I should be hiring for, what my needs are. What's your advice to those people?
2: So I like to kind of have people start brainstorming down, like, okay, what are all the things you're doing in your, in your day job? or not in your day job, but like in your business, what are all right. the things you're doing? Sorry. I've like, okay, got us. Most of the interviews I'm on are for figuring out what your skills are to freelance.
1: <laughs> well, but probably a lot of people here it's, it is their day job. Cause it's their only job. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So you, you write down like, what are all the things you're doing in, in your business daily? Um, track it kind of for a week, or if you don't want to keep a journal for a week, sit down and think about through like monthly weekly daily what are all those tasks that you have to do to grow and run your business and then you can you know kind of start to color code it like circle the ones that you hate doing circle the ones that you don't know how to do that you know aren't your strengths and then also adding on um like with a star things that you aren't doing yet but you want to be doing or it's kind of like a goal. So kind of first just starting doing a massive brain dump of all those things, then going back and kind of organizing them by this is what I hate, this is what's not getting done, um and this is kind of like my wish list for what things were getting done. Whether, you know, and some of that wish list stuff might be things that you you can do if you had more time or things that you're like gosh, I just wish there was someone on my team to just take this project and run with it. And so then from there kind of prioritizing Based on where you're at in your business, what is the, you know, most crucial and most important piece to hire next? In my experience, having a virtual assistant, that was one of the best persons to bring on early on in my business because of the variety of things that they could do. They were able to take over all of the like admin and just little tasks that ate up my time and um, like the email management so that I had more time to spend doing like content creation and, and doing my social media. So for me, what when I was in the beginning stages of hiring, it was I needed someone to kind of just come in and take over lots of different things. So if you don't have a virtual assistant yet and, and you look at your list and you see lots of different like odds and ends and, and tasks that are things that you don't necessarily have to be doing, to me, that would be a good indicator that a virtual assistant would be your next bet. But if you already have a virtual assistant and someone taking those things, um, or you're like, ah, eh, the backend stuff, I don't really have a lot of admin type stuff yet. I don't think VA's for me. Another big first hire is someone to come in and take over the marketing side of things. It can be a time suck, is writing all the caption and like, how do I show up on Instagram and Facebook and send engaging emails. And so another early position that I had brought on was a copywriter who could write for emails, they could write for blog, uh, and could write for social media. And then from there, just kind of looking at like what is most needed, what's kind of more wish, and then prioritize from there.
1: Yeah, no, that's definitely very similar to a lot of the things I bring my clients through when we're trying to figure out what position you're definitely looking at. You know what do you wish there was two of you for? You know what's you know do you not like doing? And like you like you mentioned like the wish list. And sometimes I feel like that's a really good thing because I would sometimes work with clients. They're like, well, I got all this. Like my business is stable. I don't, why do I necessarily need to pay someone? And sometimes we look at the reason why they need to hire is because there's other things they want to do in their business that they can't do because their time is spent getting their current business like running. Their time is spent mm-hmm. on their current clients. They can say yes to their current clients. They can say yes to new clients coming into the process and the products and the services and everything that they have. But there's this other thing that they want to do. So someone I was working with once, they wanted to start a podcast, but they didn't have time to do all the backend stuff that goes into doing it. And it was like, they're like, well, maybe I'll just keep putting it off, putting it off. I'll do it later when I have time. And finally it was like, but why don't you hire someone to help you do that backend stuff for your podcast so you can do it. If it's part of your marketing strategy, part of this growth strategy for you have for your business, sometimes you need to hire someone. And that I'm sure that's a position they could go and use your form for to find the person to help with things like that. Like those- oh, yeah. Yeah,
2: absolutely. A lot of moms are loving offering podcast production and podcast editing and management because it's one thing that you don't have to be available 24 seven. So it's really great for a mom who's looking to work a couple hours in the morning and maybe a couple hours in the evening because it's, it's such a like project based. There's not a ton of back and forth unless they start managing like the client reach out and the content creation and all of that. But there's totally a lot of moms in my group. If you are wanting to start a podcast and the tech is holding you back or intimidating you, that was one of the things that I did. I wanted to start a podcast, but I also knew the only thing that I wanted to do was show up and hit record. And I wanted someone else to do all of that other stuff
1: yeah, there was another conversation. I was having someone around social media management, and they're like, wow, like there's so many things about social media that I would like to get off my plate. Like, but I feel like social media, I need to be there. They're like, I need to comment. I need to do all this stuff. And the conversation that we had around that was, well, you need to comment and interact and be that face, but you need to be the one scheduling posts do you need to be the one looking at analytics to see which posts are actually doing well? Like, which one should you repeat? Like, I'm like, there's so much more to social media management than showing up and interacting. So I was like, what if you showed up and interacted and that was all you had to do and you had someone doing everything else. And that's like, when the light bulb kind of went off, it was like, you can start taking small chunks of what you're viewing as one whole task and and hand off those smaller those smaller tasks, the things that you don't have to do and just do the things that you need to do. Yeah, sometimes you need to be the face of your business. You're not gonna put somebody in that role, but what can you hand off so you have more time to be the
2: face? Absolutely, and even, like, I would challenge that because that was something I used to think, too. Like, no one can write in my voice. No one can create content how I would, but eventually, you know, as business grows and you're getting pulled in more directions i can't always write the most engaging post in the day like in the moment or even spend it would take me a lot of time to write mm-hmm. Instagram and Facebook posts, like 10 hours a month, 20 hours a month working on that. So I kind of, like you said, I first brought someone on to do the scheduling. And then I brought someone on to kind of go through all of my content because I have a lot of content out there. I've got my podcast, I've got my blog, I've got, hundreds of emails that I have sent. I've got tons of like resources. So I hired someone to come through and repurpose what I already had and put that, use that to kind of run my social media, run my Instagram, run my Facebook. So then that I don't really have to do that. I can come there. I can interact. And I even have some people like help with commenting and responding to people I I still do some of that myself too, but I I have help with that just because it does get such, it does become such a huge time suck. And I would hate for like someone to see my content, see my post and comment and interact with me. And it just be crickets back on my end. That, that like makes me, that's kind of like, I hate it when it happens to me and I comment on other people's things, if it's a business or anything, and they just don't even acknowledge or like, like it or be like, hey, thanks. So for me, that engagement and trying to comment back to as many people as we can is a big, is kind of like a big deal for me.
1: Yeah. And I think it's one of those things where, as I always say, like a lot of us are trying to create businesses that are bigger than ourselves. You know, some mm-hmm. people it's like, okay, I'm fine with this smaller business, you know, where it's just me, but other people's like, no, I want this in a way, this empire, and mm-hmm. but it still might be a self-branded business, but you want a business that's bigger than you. So you have to learn what you can give up control over and what's really important to, like, to be your face and what you can have other people do. Because at the end of the day, some of the clients are hiring you and working with you because they're working with your brands and those things that you put out there and that support that you put out there. And it doesn't necessarily have to be you personally, but it has to be somebody within your brand.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And when I started moving into the online course creation side, I quickly let go of my freelance clients because I knew I could not do both well. And I also knew that like one of my like big pushes to start my own business was to be at home and be present with my kids more and work part-time hours. I only want to work 15 to 20 hours a week of like time at my desk. And so I knew going in that I was going to have to hire people to help support my dreams, my, my goals for my business in order to kind of preserve the lifestyle. And I don't I hate the word balance because it can be so like off-putting to some people, but really to achieve that, like ideal scenario that I, I wanted. And I, I know that. So when I look at my profit and loss at, at the end of every year, contractors is a big expense for me. And my profit margin might be a little bit lower than someone else who does everything themselves. But to me, having, having my sanity and having the time to be able to walk away and be like, you know what? I'm not working today. Everyone else is managing the inbox. Other projects are getting worked on. It's fine.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I always say when you're hiring, you manage ROI typically in one of two ways. One is financial. So you're expecting to earn more money from hiring than you are paying out. I was like, but then some people time is the biggest ROI. It's what's most important. I work with some people that say, I don't care if my business ever makes a dime off of hiring this person. I have the money in my business in my expense budget to cover this person. I want the time back Mm because for some people they're working 80 hours a week and it's like I just need time with my family I need Mm -hmm. someone else to do this and I'm fine not making an extra dime
2: another big kind of hire that we just did in like October-ish so a couple months ago um it wasn't actually a hire it was just moving a current member on my team into a new a new role but it was it was a a bigger role and a bigger investment, we, she, we moved her into like the director of operations role. And at first I was just like, why in the heck am I going to hire someone or, or not like hire someone, but pay someone to help manage like these other people that I have already hired to do their job. Mm-hmm. And I was talking, um, to Natalie Gingrich, cause she runs a program helping people become, um, Certified director of operations and I was talking to her and I was like, okay, here's my hang-up It just seems so frivolous and so waste of time to hire hire someone for that For that position and she was like mikayla you are hiring back like your time and your peace of mind Because what happens as I had like a copywriter a podcast producer a, a, Like a web development a tech va a virtual assistant doing the inbox there were all these people coming to me like, Hey, I have a question. Hey, can you help with this? Hey, can you review this? And I was just constantly overwhelmed with all of these people that I have hired to take away that overwhelm. And so she kind of just came in and acts as that, as that buffer and that kind of strategic partner, helping me stay on task, keeping, helping like everyone else stay on task and making sure all my ideas don't like overwhelm the business growth.
1: Right. Which is funny. There's so many people that I've worked with who that the first person they want to hire is someone that's going to manage all the rest of their hires. And sometimes I have to say, hold on. We're not ready for that yet. <laughs>
2: like, you yeah, need to hire know, a manager if there's no one to manage. <laughs> you need
1: to know how, like, what does it? What do these roles really mean to your business? Like, how, how do you measure success? Because they're like, well, I just don't want to manage. I don't know how to manage people. I was like, but you still have to manage someone, even if you're just managing that manager. How do you manage the manager? And then, do you know how to manage the manager in a way where you know if everybody beneath the manager is doing their role correct? Mm-hmm. If you don't, I was like, then that manager is. Could potentially be taking your business in a direction you don't want to go. But yeah. if you're just like, oh, they're going to handle everything, you don't you don't know that. So sometimes it's yeah. like, okay, how do you? Yes, you eventually you can move away, like you're doing, and put that buffer between you, so you don't have to deal with all those questions. You have someone specifically for that. It's like you're doing, you're getting your time back, but you have the experience of managing everybody else. You know what they should be doing, what to expect. So you know how to mm-hmm. ask that manager the right questions. Mm-hmm. You know how to get the right things from them. So and give them the information so then they can give it out to everybody else on the team.
2: Yeah. And I, I loved that we moved someone from our current team into that role. Um, this specific person was my very first hire ever. She started as kind of like a Jack of all trades VA over two years ago and just kind of her role has continued to grow and change as my business has grown and changed. And as she's, you know, her business has. And so it was just a natural good fit for us. because like. I mean if I died or was incapacitated to run the business I have full confidence that she knows my intentions at this point and she could run everything as if it as if it was me if not if not better because she's a more organized individual.
1: Yeah so that brings me to a question that I have. So you talked about people's roles changing growing since you started your business. Now when you're working with freelancers and contractors your business might grow in one direction and then someone you love, their business doesn't grow with you. Or they come yeah. and say, Hey, you know what? I've been thinking about this, thinking about all my clients, because you t- are typically just one other client when you're working with a freelancer. I'm no longer going to offer this service. You know, have you had to deal with that? How do you deal with that? How do you prepare for that when someone's business might take them in a different direction than yours and you have to say goodbye to that team member?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. So We do reviews twice a year, uh, typically, unless we kind of see an issue coming up and we're like, hey, let's kind of ask them how they're feeling about things. That we'll do to everyone, typically in the summer and then in the, um, like at the beginning of the summer and then in the winter around January, so January, May-ish, we'll kind of send out reviews and ask people like, hey, how's everything going? Like, first of all, I need feedback. Am I driving you crazy? Am I a terrible client? Um, What am I doing that could be improved? Um, How are you feeling about the work that you're doing? How are you feeling about your role? Is there anything that you, I like to give them an opportunity to kind of be like, is there anything that you kind of see as an opportunity of growth for us? Something that, you know, you would like to take on or something that you think the business as a whole could take on, even if that might not necessarily be you. Just like, what are your ideas for, for the company? Um, Because I like working with people who are ideas people and kind of take ownership in in the team and are really more invested and not just like, oh, I'm showing up and, you know, here's my post, here you go, bye. Mm -hmm. But I like that. I like those kind of ideas, people and thinkers. And so that is a good time where we kind of start talking about that. And then we also ask like, what is you know, the direction of, of your business. And that's opened up a lot of opportunities where people have grown or people have like, Oh, I would love to learn Facebook ads, or I would love to learn how to do Pinterest. And so that's where I've, Provided them with that opportunity to kind of learn and grow and for the most part every time I've done that except for one person it's always been We've grown together, but there has been one she was one of our copywriters and she was awesome and so good like so 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 good at capturing my my voice and When I, I did that review, I kind of I could kind of see it coming and she was wanting to go into more of that operations online business manager role and do less of the writing. She like was a very big organizer, detail person. And um so she had to had to walk away because there wasn't a fit for that in 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 our business. There was already someone in that specific role. That's like fine with where I'm like in my business, I want everyone's business to grow and transform. And if that means we no longer work together, that's, that's okay. And that's fine. And while it might be sad that I don't get to talk to them as much as I used to, um, I can still, I can still stay connected.
1: Yeah. I definitely love that. Keeping communication open. There's so many people that are just afraid to have those conversations. And I was like, have the conversations, you know, what's the worst that's going to happen. They're going to tell you, guess what? I'm going a different direction in my business and I can no longer have you as a client. And if that's the way they're feeling,
2: know that (laughs) and you don't want that person working with you because the type of work that they're going to do if that's not what they're wanting and maybe they're scared of that confrontation or they're scared of hurting your feelings or you know whatever could be going on there and and they're just doing it out of like duty and fear or like scared of change, mm-hmm. the the output is not going to be most likely as good as if it was someone who was super excited to be there and super excited and pumped up about the work that they were doing.
1: It's always one of those risks when you're working with freelancers is knowing that their business might go in a different direction than yours. Maybe mm-hmm. your your business isn't growing and changing at this point in time. So when there are grows and changes, you can't bring them on. But yeah, when you have those conversations, they might be able to fill that gap that you're considering. They might be able to serve you in a different way. And, you know, always communicate. Have that the open lines of communication is great. So whether it's an employee or a contractor, just so you're informed. So if someone is going to be leaving and, you're coming near to an end of a contract, you have time to replace them before they're Mm -hmm. going to be gone. Like if you know that one of your freelancers is only going to be around for another month, wouldn't you rather have that month to replace them than to be scrambling and being like, how am I going to fill this hole until I find someone new and get them up and running? Absolutely. So one of the things that I want to circle back to, and we talked about it just briefly, but I know there's a lot more about this subject, is budget. So a lot mm-hmm. of people, when they hear work with a freelancer, outsource, sometimes people think they're going to get really cheap labor. So tell us a little bit more about that. So we're working with freelancers. What should we expect?
2: So if, and if you're coming, if you want to use my higher form, the majority of the women in my group are not going to be the cheap labor option. Um... That would be, there are different agencies of like where you can hire overseas and it's like dollars per hour, which I don't necessarily, it's, it's just not, it's not my favorite, but that's mostly because it doesn't serve the people that I love and I'm passionate about serving. But with the um, women in my group, it's going to depend on their experience level. So a beginner hourly rate is going to be anywhere from around $20 an hour to around kind of like 35 ish the, the good thing about hiring a beginner is their hourly rate is going to be a little less expensive than hiring an expert. Now, sort of the downside can be that you might either need to provide training for them or account for a little bit of, of a learning curve. But really, truly, with any you know, any expert or someone who's more experienced, there's always going to be a learning curve of learning someone like new business. And then if you're wanting someone with a little bit more experience, someone where you maybe won't have to provide that training or provide a lot of handholding in the beginning, that's going to be looking anywhere from you know 35 to 50-ish an hour for kind of like a mid-range. And then someone who is more of an expert in their field, in their industry, they've got amazing case studies. They've invested in their business, They in, in their skills training. They've got tons of case studies and they've been doing this for multiple, multiple years. It's not uncommon for experienced directors of operations to charge 200 plus an hour.
1: So some people might be listening and saying, wow, like even $40 an hour, that seems like a lot or $25 an hour. That seems like a lot. So you might be thinking, you might be listening, thinking like, Why am I going to pay that much for somebody? You know, I can get an employee, hire them part-time and pay them like $15 an hour or try to get away and pay someone minimum wage. And, you know, so one of the things to think about it differently is a lot of times when you're working with a freelancer or a contractor you can have them for fewer hours than you would an employee. So in my case, when I first used the form and hired someone, I hired someone for five hours a month because I was like, I just need to figure this out. Five hours a month is really all I need. And I paid that person, I think it was $40 an hour. There was no way I was gonna have an employee and have them work like one hour a week. But working with a freelancer, that person worked like took five hours of the month did what they needed to do, and then, okay, I you know, took that stuff the next month, like they went and repeated it for the next month. So it was, I didn't have to go and make this huge investment in order to figure out, okay, help me figure this part out of my business. Help me figure it out. I just need your expertise for this little bit a month, or sometimes it's this little bit a week. So sometimes that's some of the difference of, yeah, an employee can be cheaper per hour, but I have to have them for more hours. Even a part-time yeah. employee, you have typically have to have them for more hours because no one's going to sign on for a job for an hour a week.
2: And then you also want to look at though the like the quality of the output that you would you would get. The freelancer they're going to be invested in their business and your business and their growth. Whereas I'm looking at like a freelancer to an employee, there's someone who's going to be constantly like sharpening their skills and staying up to date on industry standards where uh, an employee is just going to be like okay, send me the work boss and all Exactly. I'll, I'll get it done. And that freelancer, yeah, it might be a little bit more expensive hourly, but the expertise that they bring and the results that they can get you and the strategy and the strategic thinking that they can bring to that position would be way greater than like a minimum wage or $15 an hour employee role, just because you want to, you want to think about, okay, who... Who, who's the person that's like looking for the part-time role versus the person who's looking for the freelance role?
1: And a freelance role, when you're hiring contractors, sometimes, you know, they have their own team of people behind them or because they're a business owner, they, they might even have other people that they rely on other um, resources that they have that if you hire an employee, they don't have those. Like the employee has what you give them Where a freelancer. It's like, that's their business. You said, "Like you're, you're typically one of their clients, which means maybe for you they're only doing let's even say five hours a week, but mm-hmm. they might be working thirty-five other hours on other clients' stuff. Which means they're constantly learning, they're mm-hmm. being um, having new things coming in front of them. So yeah, you're getting, like you said, a lot of times a lot higher quality work because of the fact that they're experts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you're." Going back and communicating with the women who have gone through your program, is there any common complaints that you're hearing about that our listeners can take back and be like, "Oh, let me make sure I don't do that," or you know, try to do things better if they realize that they have these habits?
2: So there honestly really aren't a ton of complaints that I get from women that have gotten hired um, through the hire form. The only thing that constantly comes up is when the budgets like oh i want an expert in and they list like all the software programs someone who can podcast produce someone who's an expert you know with audacity i want an expert with copywriter someone and and they just want like all of the these experts in one role and like the pay is really low sometimes it's okay you need to look at okay are you wanting that expert if you are wanting that expert and you need multiple things that's going to be multiple hires another the thing that sort of comes up sometimes is complaints when people hire someone and then they're so disorganized, like they're looking to hire a virtual assistant and then they themselves and their business are so disorganized and they're way busy. They don't even have time to delegate work yet. And so maybe they'll buy like a 20 hour package and then they're not even sending work to the person that they just hired. Right.
1: No, I see that sometimes with when I'm working with clients they're like I hired someone, but now I'm just paying them because I don't have time to train them or I don't have time to delegate. And I was like, oh, don't tell me that. Like, no, yeah. if you're yeah. going to hire someone, you need to start handing work off to them. You need yeah. to start using them. You need to, you know, if it's an employee, train them. I always tell my clients, you know, when they're hiring that start date. Is important. Like you mm-hmm. need to hold true to that start date and not just be like, okay, I'm going to pay you starting this date. It's, I am going to use you starting this date mm-hmm. because if you're not going to use them on that date, there's no point in hiring them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, so yes, yeah, definitely get all your ducks in a row so you can hand things off. All right. So I think we've talked about a lot of great things. So if people are wanting to use your hire form or are wanting to get in touch with you, how can they do that?
2: So my website is MichaelaQuinn.com and you, you can just go there and right at the top, um, we have in the header, hire your next team member, and that'll take you right to our form. Or you can even just go to MichaelaQuinn.com forward slash hire and fill it out. It is a real quick little um, like type form that you can fill out and then it will automatically get sent to the women in our program and you'll get applications of those people that meet, you know, the requirements that you set, the budget that you have and the project that you are looking for.
1: Awesome. And we'll be sure to share all those links in the show notes. All right. So one final question that I like to ask everybody is whether it's been in our professional careers or in our personal lives, we've all had people that we've worked with or interacted with in some sort of management or leadership role, people that have been above us that we've looked up to, whether it's been a boss or a leader in some other capacity, thinking about the people in your life who have either been a boss or some sort of leadership role, what is one thing that really stands out to you? If you're going to say, this was the best boss or leader I've ever worked with, what was one quality about them that made, made them stand out to you in your minds like that?
2: So I've got two people that I'm thinking of. Um, one was my college boss, and I worked at the Boys and Girls Club, and I started as just like an after-school uh, chaperone for for the like kids who were in the middle school program who didn't ride the bus home um and they just hung out at at the school so i started as one of those supervisors and then my my boss at the time knew that i was in education and liked the curriculum planning and she moved me up into a director of the teen program role and what I loved about her is she moved me up into that role and she gave me complete freedom within like constraints and, you know, good judgment of structuring that, that teen program. Like as far as what we were doing on the Friday teen nights, what we were doing after school and just really trusted me to kind of um, create a more engaged and, and bigger, um, bigger teen program for the Boys and Girls Club in Manhattan. And then my, one of my bosses, when I was teaching, one thing that she did that I just loved is she continually saw that I loved learning and I loved, like, I loved resources and, um, loved the curriculum planning side again. And she would give me some of the English department budget to invest in resources so that I could become a better teacher. and. Um, just different opportunities for me to increase my, my ability to teach with sending me to different conferences and other things like that.
1: That's great. So it sounds like both of them really saw the potential in you and wanted to help you succeed and really grow in your role. That definitely does make a great leader and great bosses. Yeah. All right. All right, Michaela. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. It was such a pleasure speaking with you and hearing about how you help freelancers grow in their careers, but also help business owners find the freelancers that are going to help their businesses grow. So once again, thank you so much for your time today. And I hope people go out and use your hire form to find their next freelancer or contractor.
2: Yeah. Thanks so much. I appreciate it, Jamie.
1: That wraps up my conversation with Michaela Quinn. As you heard, hiring freelancers can be a great way to get the expert help you need into your business. I highly encourage you to go out and use Michaela's form if you're looking to hire a freelancer. If you're still trying to figure out exactly what role will be best to add to your company, I invite you to download my exclusive Who to Hire 3-Step Method Worksheet for free. It will help you identify which role will save you the most time and earn you more money because you add it to your business and get the right work off your plate. So the link to this form is in the show notes. So go download the form, figure out who you need to hire, and then go use Michaela's form so you can find the right person who's going to help you get to that next level within your business. And be sure to tune into next week's episode where I'm gonna give you an overview of the difference between employees and contractors. So that way you make sure you're hiring the right person for your business and avoiding IRS fines. Until next time, this is Jamie Van Kuyk.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of Growing Your Team with your host, Jamie Van Kite. Be sure to subscribe and head on over to growingyourteam.com to connect, access the show notes, and discover more ways to hire and leverage your perfect fit team.